How many know that God has you on a mission? I got a couple amens. How many know God has you on a mission? And he wants you to fulfill what he's called you to be and do. And I just want you to know today that um, what's behind you is, hear me carefully. Thank you, hon. This is my power statement for today. The Lord gave it to me while I was praying over there as we were going through worship. Thank you, worship team, for being on. on <laughs> you guys were right on my sermon. Like every song was right in the sermon today. So I thank God how he died. I'm so grateful how God does that. He just sets up the worship and the sermon. But I want you also to know that God gave me a statement for you, and that is what's behind you is no match for what's ahead of you. What's behind you is no match for what's ahead of you. It's the thing that he said to me. I felt like, you know, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just an impression. And uh, he said, if you just keep praising me and keep moving, I will bring you into all that I have ahead of you. I will make sure that you see the victory. Amen? And your mission is fulfilled. I want to preach for a little while this morning on, uh, on a topic that would seem a little bit out or meta scriptural, but it's, it's really not. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him my title, It's Your Move. It's your move. We're finishing up this move series with the understanding that we have a responsibility to the Lord to act upon what he's done for us, amen, and to use what he's given us. And so Exodus 14, I'll read at the beginning of the verse, or starting in verse 1, Exodus 14, verse 1, say amen if you're there. Say wait on me if you're not. I think everybody's about there. It's in the Bible in the sky. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before the Holy Ghost comes. You can say that word when you have the Holy Ghost, but not before then. Before Pihahithroth. Was I close? Pihahithroth. That was pretty good. On little sleep, that's pretty good. Between Migdal and the sea, over against Beelzephron. Before it shall, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. Next verse. For Pharaoh will say unto the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is God speaking through Moses. Who's going to harden Pharaoh's heart? So uh, makes no sense to me. God sent his people out and then sent Pharaoh after him. Does that make any sense? This whole scenario has been set up by God. This isn't the devil that sent Pharaoh after them. Some stuff you call the devil is not the devil at all. Some of the fights you have and the battles you have is not the enemy at all. It's actually the Lord refining you, or the Lord bringing you to the next step of your walk with God. And so then we see that Pharaoh's heart is hardened by God, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh, honored upon Pharaoh or I will be glory, get the glory on Pharaoh and upon his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Give me verse 14 real quick, if you would, tech team. Verse number 14. If you jump down in your Bibles to verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you. Anybody here want the Lord to fight for you? Anybody want the Lord to be your battle maker and your battle winner? And ye shall hold your peace. Go on to the next verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? He's like, Why are you crying? Stop. Stop crying out to me. He said, Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. One translation right there says, Move on. Some people have moved past some things, but they haven't moved on. I hope today you can put some things under the blood of Jesus Christ and move on, not just move past it. And, they, and the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speaking of the children of Israel, that they move on or go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Anybody notice anything interesting about that? They're parting the sea, but they're walking on dry ground. Amen? That's pretty cool. It says it three different times in that chapter. I'm pretty thankful that we can see not only a miracle, but a provision in the middle of the miracle. 
and God uses something that Moses already had in his hand. Let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us how to use what God has already given us. Lord, it's our move today. You've given us the will and the understanding. You've given us the ability to know what you want to do with our lives, God. And also, if we're finding confusion, we know that we can call out to you and you'll tell us to keep moving, Jesus. So today it's our move. We're going to move forward in you. We're going to move forward in you, Jesus. We're going to go forward and keep growing in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. It's good to see all of your shining faces. Well, all of your shining eyes, some of your shining faces. Amen. I don't know if you know that my background is from Alaska. Anybody know I'm from Alaska? Oh, okay. Most of you do. I'm just making a joke. My daughter's like, yeah. So sometimes I tell Alaskan stories. Do you like Alaskan stories? Um, we used to go salmon fishing, and there were so many salmon in the river that you could put a paddle in the river and hit like five salmon at once. It's just like, it was, it was blue water, but it looked red because there were so many sockeye salmon under the water that it was just red with salmon. And we would go what we call combat fishing where there's people standing shoulder to shoulder along the shore. And when you hooked one, you had to yell out, fish on, and you had to hold your pole up, and you had to run by the people that were in front of you on the shore because the salmon would take off downstream. Okay. As soon as you hooked them, the salmon knew if I run downstream, I might break the line. So I had, you had to step back, hold your pole up, and run downstream to keep up with the salmon. And hopefully you got to the salmon and got it reeled in before you, uh, another fisher got tangled up, a bear got involved, something like that. That's usually how fishing went if you were doing combat fishing. But they found out that so many people have now become more healthy eaters that there's becoming a salmon shortage. And I'm like, how is that possible? I'm from Alaska. There's no shortage of salmon up there. But apparently so many people have salmon. You know, they're trying to lose weight. They're trying to eat healthy. And there's a lot of people eating more fish. They, they used to have somewhat of a love for cod. Did anybody ever have a cod sandwich or fall in love with cod dishes? There was a time period where cod was really, really popular, and it was popular out on the East Coast. When I travel, I go out there, and we'd have these great cod sandwiches, and um, it was so good. And I remember that they, they beca it became so popular that they wanted fresh cod on the West Coast, but they didn't know how to get it there. So they were like, okay, we'll put the fish uh, on ice, and we'll bring it out there by train. We'll, we'll haul it out there by train. And then they decided, this is early on, and they decided they could get a lot of cod moved at one time if they put it on a train. Well, when they got it out there and they began to prepare it, it lost its flavor and some of its texture because it had been frozen. That makes sense. It's not fresh. So they were complaining about it not being fresh. So then they decided, well, what we'll do is we'll put a water tank inside one of the train cars, fill it full of cod so they're alive, and then ship them across to California or the West Coast. That way they have living fish and fresh fish. But when they got them there, they found out that they didn't still, they tasted different. The cod didn't taste like East Coast cod. It didn't taste fresh. And so they couldn't figure it out. And so in one last ditch effort, they decided to put several catfish in the tank with the cod. And catfish are the natural predator of cod. Why you would put a predator inside a tank and then send them across the United States by train, nobody seemed to understand that except for the people that understood that when the cod felt like they were in fear, when they had to run from the predator while they were in the tank, they stayed fresh because they had a predator. They had something pursuing them. And sometimes whenever I come to preach the word of God and whenever we see the worship team bring a fresh song or a fresh word or, or Brother Reese gets up and he's preaching the holy, the holy scriptures and it just feels so fresh and so new, you don't know what they have been through this week to give you a 
fresh word or to give you a fresh approach to what God wants to do in this house every single week. You have to understand that the battles we face may belong to the Lord, but we have to go through them. And your best days and your freshest look at Scripture are when you have something pursuing you, when you have something that's trying to attack you, when you have something that you're afraid of. The best prayer meetings come out of your most fearful moments. The best cries unto God come out of places where you don't think you may, you may not be able to get out. I promise you that there is a word in this today that it's your move. If you will just begin to pray in the moments of fear, if you'll begin to reach unto God in the moments where you feel like it may not turn around, God can turn it around. God can do something different. God can keep a fresh word in your life. God can use the catfish in your tank. Amen. I got that from a preacher that I heard online, and I thought it was pretty cute. But I want you to know that sometimes God puts things in our life to keep us going to the Word of God and going to prayer. How many times have you been in a prayer meeting and you would not have got the revelation or the feelings of revival that you have had it not been for the adversary in your life? I'm not just talking about the antagonist, the devil. I'm talking about whether you had a, some competition going on at work or you had someone who was an antagonist at work. I, I'm, I'm talking about anything that comes against you that would bring fear. And that's what's happening in the scripture here when I'm reading. I want to set up an understanding that they weren't just walking out of the wilderness. They were being pursued by Pharaoh's army. And in one place, the Bible says that they were paranoid. One place, it says that they were literally paralyzed with fear. They were so fearful. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here where there's no graves in the wilderness? Why did you bring us out here just to die? And Moses didn't know what to do. Obviously, you're, you got 600 of Pharaoh's choice chariots on top of his army. He went and picked out the best and the best officers to ride on those choice chariots. And they're pursuing after the children of Israel, and they're in their Nikes, okay? There, there's horses thundering in the distance toward them, and they're walking. This isn't a good scenario. Have you ever been in a scenario where you're wondering where God is at? How is it possible that I'm in this situation and all of this is pursuing me and all this is coming after me and I'm trying my best to live for God but my health keeps breaking down and I'm trying my best to live for God but I hear the thundering of a job that's gonna go away. I hear the thundering of hoofs. They were paralyzed by their fear and I want you to know that there's only one thing that gets out of you, the, gets out of your life, the paralysis of fear. The only thing that can let you take your next step is if you praise your way out of the paralysis. You understand that when we have a church service, we're not just coming here to see who has a nice suit, a nice tie, and nice talent. We're coming here to praise the Lord because he has given us the ability to praise him. He's given us the ability to lift him up. And where the Lord is, there is liberty. And his spirit begins to move and set down in this place. And where God sets down, his authority sets down. His kingdom sets down. He sets down on his people, not only because we praise him and he had inhabits the praises of his people, but because when he's here, nothing else has greater authority. Nothing else has any power above him. There's no sickness greater than the name. There's no power greater than the name. There's no authority greater than the name. So if I run, I run to a strong tower, and that tower is his name. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. I'm thankful for the Lord being in my life, and I'm thankful for the fact that I understand when I feel paralyzed by the enemy or a situation, I still have a move left. I still know what I can do, and that is I can praise the Lord. Maybe you came here for different reasons when you first came to God. I know people that got saved, they came to church looking for a date. They came to church because they were looking to do business, but when the Lord encountered them, they got a hold of them. When they felt 
felt the presence of God for the first time and the Holy Ghost began to move in the house of God. Something touched their heart and they began to praise God from an open heart. They opened themselves up and said, I don't know what I feel, but I like what I feel. And the Holy Ghost touched them and they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance and they got baptized in Jesus' name. I'm so glad when God brings people, even if it's for the wrong motives, but he changes their life and he says, now you've got to move every time you need me. You can call on my name. Every time you have a moment of distress, if you just reach for me, I will fight for you. Amen. Somebody, if you have that revelation, would you praise God for just a minute? If you're glad you know that he can work on your behalf and no matter what the devil says, you've got to move left. You've got to move left. You can praise the Lord. So you haven't been lost in a moment of being stuck. You haven't been paralyzed in your situation. You're not immovable. You're not a person who is stuck in the mud. You're not an individual. You know, some people think they're deep when they're just stuck. Have you ever met these people? (laughs) They're so deep. (laughs) They're just stuck. That's why I think the Lord honors praisers all throughout Scripture, not the people with the most wisdom that are stuck, but the people that are just praised. David praised the Lord with all his heart, and he, he learned and taught us a generation and a dispensation before it was supposed to be there that praise breaks paralysis. Praise is always the right move. Turn to your neighbor and tell him praise is always the right move. If they're six feet from you, yell it at them. Praise is always the right move. (laughs) Thank you, sister. (laughs) But what's interesting about the praise scriptures that you see in, in the Word of God is that it's talking about something that you do. It comes from the point often of first person speaking to the Lord through the scripture. Look at Isaiah 25 and 1. It says, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels, oh, join me here. This could be your prayer right here. Thy counsels are of old. Thy counsels of old are faithful and truth. Amen. In Exodus 23 and 25, he says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. This is the God who deserves praise. And the Bible says in Psalms 150, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. How many know that verse? That is the qualifications of a praiser. Everybody go. (gasps) Some of you did it. Everybody inhale. Ready? One, two, three. (gasps) Is there anybody that didn't inhale? That's, that's, a, that's a loaded question. I'm sorry. If you didn't inhale, you're disqualified from being a praiser. But if you took in breath just now or any time during the service, you are commanded to praise the Lord. Amen? It doesn't matter what your situation is or where you are, you're commanded to praise the Lord. That means you ought to be willing to put your hands up in worship service. That means you ought to be willing to move your feet, even if you don't feel like it. My grandmother used to get up and lead worship, and they would sing a song, I feel like praise and praise. Anybody remember the song? I could play this song with my eyes closed on the drums. I was the drummer at that time, and it was just boom, chick, boom, chick. I mean, basically any monkey could do that, right? Maybe I was the monkey. I don't know. I... But she would go, I feel like praising, praising. And that's all they sing. I feel like praising, praising. Praise him in the morning. Praise him all day long. I feel like praising, praising him. That was the entirety of the song. But it helped us. It, it taught us something. And I remember as a high school student looking around one day, I was sitting on, at the drums and I was playing along. And I was looking around. And there's some people who are getting into worship And there's other people that are just here for the day. I'm just punching a card and I'm here. But the ones that were joining in, it wasn't because they felt necessarily like praising the Lord. I was like, not everybody out there could possibly feel like praising him. But they understood something. They understood that when you praise God, he opens doors and he closes doors. (laughs) Amen, somebody. It doesn't matter whether your battle seems too big for you or not. It's not, big, it's not too big for God. 
And so if you just began to praise him, that may be the only move you have. If you want me to preach, let me preach today. I've been in places where I could not even move. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know how to get out of my situation. But I've always had a move left. I've always had a praise. I've always had a song of praise on my heart. And I'm preaching to you today that you can move. You can move on from where you are if you just have breath in your body. You're still a praiser, and your praise opens doors from heaven. God didn't need, even though Moses is crying out to the Lord, God didn't need to necessarily respond to Moses as much as he needed to understand and recognize what God had put in his hand. Moses had a move, even though he didn't recognize it. Because God had given him his staff. You remember the story about Moses' staff in the wilderness? He, maybe he walked with it. Maybe he directed sheep with it. I don't know what he did with it. But one point, God was telling him to go, to go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. And I noticed one thing about God in some areas in the Scripture. He's weak on details. Have <laughs> you ever noticed that about God? He's a detailed God. Don't get me wrong. He knows exactly what he's going to do all throughout the ages, but sometimes he doesn't give us details. Sometimes he tells Moses to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and he tells Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Sometimes he tells Moses to go to Pharaoh. Sometimes he tells other people to do things, and he hasn't given them all the details. It would have been nice, I'm sure, if you were Moses, to find out that if you go and ask Pharaoh to let my people go, that you're going to have 600 hitmen coming after you. It would have been nice to know that Pharaoh's going to turn around and send his whole army plus 600 of his best. That would have been a detail I think would have helped a brother out. But somehow he left that out. But God had already met with Moses at a burning bush, and he said, look, throw your staff down. And when he threw it down, it became a snake, and Moses disappeared from the frame because <laughs> He ran from it because it was a snake. And, and the Lord said, go pick it up by the tail. And he picked it up by the tail, and it became a stick again. You guys like my, my illustration today? I found this outside the parking lot. Well, you guys started praise service. I was outside digging for sticks. <laughs> it's just a youth pastor in me, I guess. I got to have something to lean on here. So Moses has the stick in his hand, and the people are murmuring, and the people are complaining and the Lord said, Moses, you've got a move left. You're looking to me, but I've already equipped you with something that will conquer the battle. And so while he's spending time looking to the Lord, the Lord says, stretch the stick out over the Red Sea. And he also tells in verse 14, he tells them, you're going to keep the people moving. And by moving them, they're going to have their victory. Guess what? Your victory and your miracle is in motion. Amen. It's in you staying moving. It's in staying, preacher, I don't feel like I'm moving. Well, do you have a praise? You're still moving, amen? Even when the Bible says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, even though Sister, Sister um, Calhoun, I don't know why I was going to tell you, my sister friend, I don't know why I was going to say that, my sister wife is teaching about stillness right now to all the ladies. I want you to understand that stillness is a beautiful thing, and you need to be a part of that Bible study. If you're a lady in this church, you need to get on that session, that virtual Bible study, because she's teaching some amazing stuff. But I want you to know that whenever you talk about being still or having the full armor of God on so that you can stand and hold the ground that God gives you, it's not just talking about staying still. Though you may not be moving, God is moving for you. And so what he's saying is that that your move, you have a move left. You have the ability, even though you may feel stuck, you can praise. Even though you feel stuck, there's something in your life that you can use to get out of this situation. And God has already put it there. It's already invested in you. He's already put it in your life. And the reason why God is quiet right now when you're praying and he doesn't seem to be answering is because he wants you to look around at what he's already put in your life because the answer is is with you. He's in you and he's for you. Amen, somebody. There's a stick in your life. I got debris coming off the stick. Sometimes things fall apart. You know, preachers don't use scriptures that tell that talk about how people prayed and they didn't get an answer. 
The church gets real excited when we talk about praying and God stepped in, you know, praying and the Lord showed up. But what about whenever you have all the people complaining against you? They say somewhere around 1.2, maybe 1.5 million people saying, why'd you bring us out here to die? Because when fear shows up, you go back to something you're used to. And whether it's good or not, you will glorify slavery. You'll glorify a place where you were stuck in sin to go back to if you don't understand that fear keeps you from moving forward. If you get fearful, if you don't know how you're going to pay those bills, you don't know how you're going to move forward, if you lose your job or you get in a certain situation and fear rises up in you, you will go back to something that is not good for your spirit. You have to understand that not that going back is not the direction that God wants you to go in. He said, go forward in scripture to them. He said, move forward. So the motion I'm talking about, the move I'm saying you have left is not a move to go back to something, but a move to go forward. Amen, somebody? I was driving on my way to work this week. I'll vacuum, I promise. (laughs) If this whole stick falls apart, I'll just vacuum it up after service. I was driving on my way to work, and um, my previous employer was buying a building in the Sussex Business Park, and I go up right up 164 into Hartford every day in my little commuter Yaris, my Toyota Yaris. It's about as big as a roller skate with a motor, but it's what God's given me, so I'll just praise him all the way to work. If I get in an accident, it's basically someone running over me like a speed bump, but that's about it. But the Lord is with me, <laughs> so I use what I have. I still, I'm still thinking about, you know, the places and the things I was doing before, and I worked for this other company for like six years. I really loved what I did. And I'm looking over into the business park as I'm driving up the hill, like, hey, they put a business in there, and I'm happy for them. I don't have any bad feelings. And I'm like, man, that would be cool to work in that new building. I wonder if I could see it. And then the Sussex water tower goes by, and I crest the top of the hill, and I'm pulling on the steering wheel looking, you know, I'm just like, just thinking, just enjoying my drive to work. And while I'm pulling on the steering wheel, I'm pushing down on the accelerator. And I come over the hill, and there's a sheriff sitting on the side of the road. (laughs) And woo, he lights up the cherries. And he's got blue ones, and he's got red ones. And I got out of the car and just started discoing because they like to light up for you. That's what you're supposed to do when they pull you over and turn the lights on. You're supposed to dance. And I was like, oh, Lord, you know right now I really don't need a ticket. (laughs) What if the people at church find out I got a ticket? I'm not going to tell anybody about this. Just We'll keep it between us, okay? Oh, it's online? Oh, good. The world knows. So a guy walks up. He's Waukesha County Sheriff. He said, sir, I'm Waukesha County Sheriff so-and-so, and and I just pulled you over. I want you to know uh, I pulled you over because you were speeding. And I said, yeah, I was. (laughs) I mean, there's no reason for me to try to deny it. I I had no idea I was doing it, but I, I was doing 60 and a 45 because I was pulling on the steering wheel looking and pushing down with my foot. Don't do that, okay? And so he's standing there, and I get my license out, and I hand it to him. We're having a nice conversation, and my, my chaplain's badge is there open. And he goes, where are you a chaplain for? And I said, with well, Aurora Medical, you know, Advent Aurora Medical. And they call me in to pray for people and stuff, you know. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give you a courtesy. I'm going to give you a warning. And he hands me my badge back. And, I mean, he hands me my license back. And I, I said, well, thank you, sir. That's very kind of you. I was very honest with him. I was looking over my shoulder, trying to see in there, and I pushed down on the accelerator inadvertently. He's like, no, that's okay. Have a good day. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Chaplain's badge does it one more time. <laughs> the Lord has mercy on those that need it. And uh, I drive away. And I'm thinking about, well, maybe that's a sign from the Lord. I shouldn't be going back to my old job, you know. I shouldn't be thinking about moving backwards. I should be thinking about moving forwards, amen. And so I just like, well, okay, okay, Lord. And so I go to the next intersection. There's a Starbucks there, and I'm like, well, I'm not paying a $250 ticket. I guess I can handle a nice chai with light ice, venti cup with a straw. Thank you. We'll edit out with a straw for those online that are trying to save turtles. We, I go into line, and I'm sitting in line, and I order my drink, and the music playing on the speakers from the building says, you can't go back, you can't go back, you can't go back. <clears throat> 
and I'm like, Lord, I hear you, and I obey. <laughs> Those may be just me making humor, but I want you to know that you cannot go back to where you've been. God has something for you in your future. And if you don't make the move that you have in your life, if you don't use what's in your hand for what God has for you next, you will not get to the victory that God has for you because the enemy you're fighting right now, God has set up the victory for that enemy up there. And if you go backwards, you go back into slavery and sin and problems. But if, if you keep moving, somebody help me preach. If you keep moving, even with a, a, something that doesn't look like a weapon, if you just keep moving and you, you use what you've got, God has already positioned you up here in your future that your problem and your attack can't follow you. The enemy cannot come through the Red Sea. Do you understand what I'm saying? So even though Pharaoh's chariots are thundering behind you and you don't have a war capability and you don't have an army with you and they have an army with them, the great thing is the enemy does not know what God has put in your future. The enemy cannot see that his battle is lost in your future, but you have to move forward. So understand that what God had planned for them was to deliver them in their future, but they had to walk across on dry land. Now think about it. You've got your infant with you. You're holding your infant daughter in your arms. You've got your two or three-year-old by the hand, and you're walking through the Red Sea. This seems, this seems easy to us, right? Well, God opened the, re, opened the sea. You know, Moses put out the stick, waters parted, the wind blew, dry ground came up, came up and appeared. And sometimes the craziest things happen with the stuff that God's given you. Amen? I, I, I was like, Lord, why, why do you use a stick? The tricky stick of Moses. Why did he use a stick? He could have used anything. He could have given Moses a sword, and you can see, like, Charlton Heston standing at the water, you know, make a movie out of that. That would be a good movie, you know. He pulls his sword out and says, part the waters, and everything parts. But no, he's got a dirty, nasty, ugly, naughty stick, and he just parts the water. You know why God uses some stuff in your life that the devil doesn't think is a weapon? It's because he would take it if he knew it was a weapon, but he can't take what the devil doesn't perceive as a weapon. So the places where you have inadequacies, the places where you have stresses, the places where you have that voice that constantly tells you you're not good enough, all of those things that do, that do damage, you think, in your life, if you will give that to the Lord and just keep walking with God, put one foot in front of the other with God, he will use things that don't look like a weapon to destroy the very enemy that's following you. You see what I'm saying? Oh, the, the, the idea that God would use a stick seems so foreign. But not only did he use a stick, but he parted the waters, and they're walking across. And you imagine, now they not only have the fear of the army pursuing, but they're walking with their infants and their young ones through two walls of water. You know, my ADD would kick in about then, and I would grab a fish stick, you know, or I, I would just stick my head in the water <laughs> just, just to see if it's real, you know, like, take half a shower. They walked across on dry land. The wind blew all night. The Holy Ghost can do a work in your life. Amen. That wind was blowing then. It's still blowing now. Amen. And God will bring you through without mud on your feet. God will bring you through without you getting all dirty. God will bring you through muddy situations without you getting a mess on your life. He'll bring you out of some things that should have left you an absolute disaster, an absolute muddy mess. There should be sin hanging off your life. There should be addictions hanging off your life. But when you walk through baptism, brothers and sisters, when you come out the other side, when you keep moving, God will bring you through on dry land. He really will. He'll bring you through without the mess and the mud. And so the miracle happens. And God's, some, God's working with something that Moses already has. Turn to your neighbor and say, he'll work with something you already have. There's tricks in this stick. Amen? God had a plan for him. It doesn't look like much. It's just a dirty old stick. 
Bible says that the enemy and the princes of the world would not have crucified Jesus had they known what crucifixion meant. But they just didn't understand. When I was fishing, I told you fishing, I'll get back to fishing. When I was fishing, they had this, this fishing rod that everybody wanted. It was called the ugly stick. I don't know why it was called the ugly stick, because it was a great fishing rod, but everybody wanted an ugly stick. Did you know that your father beat the devil with an ugly stick called the cross? Because the enemy didn't look at it as a weapon. The enemy didn't see that cross as a weapon, just saw it as a Roman torture device. But Jesus said, I'll go, I'll hang on it, and when I do, I'll gather my children to me. Not only will I gather my children to me, but I will bring salvation to the whole world through something that's already here. I'll use something that they use to kill criminals, and I may have to die on the cross with shame and suffering and pain, but it's going to give my people no more shame. It's going to give my people a hope. It's going to give my people a joy. He used a dirty stick to save our souls. I don't know if that's a good application, but it sure was good to me. God's secret weapon was the cross. Was that good? Is that good for anybody else besides me? I love that analogy. The cross didn't look like a weapon. So they walk across on dry land, and Moses turns around and used that same stick for salvation. That same dirty stick for salvation. And I'm telling you what, if you ever keep moving, there's going to be points where you turn around and look back, and the cross is what saved you. Amen? And so I can sing, I feel like praising him till I feel like it. And I noticed that halfway through that song, I know I seem like I'm all over the place today, but maybe it's because I am. Halfway through that song, my grandma was singing, half the church that wasn't worshiping started worshiping because you don't praise your way into feeling like it. I mean, you don't, praise, you don't praise your way into God's presence because you feel like it. You just keep praising till you feel like it. And David was bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, and he's the one that made so many great songs. But while he was taking the Ark of the Covenant back, he decided to use a new cart, and it got him in trouble. And they left, they left the cart, and they left the Ark of God at the house of Obed-Edom, and for three months, God blessed the house of Obed-Edom because of his presence being there. I was driving home one day, and the Lord said, why don't you use what you've got? Because I, was doing some, I had some struggles going on in my family, and I was trying to figure out some stuff. And I went into my prayer room, and I've, I've got this little gel pad that I kneel on. I don't have bad knees. I just pray too long. <laughs> Somebody's like, what's wrong with your knees? I'm like, I'm not even telling you about that. It's just been too much prayer this week. <laughs> I need a stick. <laughs> and I went in my prayer room, and I just started praying. And all I could say was, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And the Lord reminded me of this story of Obed-Edom. And he said, I blessed the house of Obed-Edom when my spirit was there. And if you want more blessings on your house, you need to get more of the Holy Ghost in your house. That's what you need to do. And we set out. We're doing family Bible study. We're doing everything we can to get more Holy Ghost in our house. And I wonder if maybe you would take just a little, little example that I'm presenting to you, and maybe you would go home and get more Holy Ghost in your house. Maybe you could start somewhere. Maybe it's just prayer in the evening. Maybe it's when you go to bed, just get your kids around you and begin to pray over them. And I just began to plead the blood, and I couldn't get off that. I just pled the blood, and I pled the blood, and I pled the blood. And Jesus says, use what you've got. What do you have? I have a dirty stick that hung on Golgotha where my Savior bled to death and died for me. I'm going to use what I got. Thank you very much. I'm going to call back to his cross. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus over my situation because I have something yet to do. I have a move left. I can plead the blood of Jesus. And I can tell you from that prayer meeting of pleading the blood of Jesus, things have turned around and things are going in a direction that I don't even, I didn't even realize it was going to go in, but God is making a way. Amen, somebody. God is making a way. That's an example I wanted to share with you as I wrap up because I want you to know that Jesus is able to still give you a move. Amen. And your move leads you to your miracle. See, sometimes you ask God for things, and he's just waiting for you to get there. There's a timing on your miracle. And when we pray, I've seen people get healed instantly. I've seen people, what we prayed for, they get healed in two, three weeks. 
But there's a perfect timing. Even Jesus was sent into the earth at the perfect time. Even the Holy Spirit was sent into the earth at the perfect time when the fullness of time was come. We have to understand that there are some things that we pray for that are about two weeks ahead of us. And if we will just keep walking, if we'll just trust God with every single step, he'll, he will guide our steps, brothers and sisters. And so David went back to get the house, the ark of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom because he heard that not only was Obed-Edom blessed, but all of his household. And the Bible even says that all that was his was blessed. If you put more Holy Ghost in your house, all that is yours will be blessed. Hear me today. I hope you take that. If there's one thing you do, go home and put more Holy Ghost in your house. Because there'll be revival here. There will be a move of God here. We need a move. Yes, we do need a move. But we need a move of God that starts in the houses of people. The church started in a house. The church began in the places of personal worship and personal sacrifice. And if we do that again, the revival will spread to the house of God. And somebody said, amen. So I want you to know that Pharaoh's army was no match for the Red Sea. But had they not moved across the Red Sea, the Bible says when the last one stepped onto the other shore, Moses stretched out the stick again and closed the waters and it, and it collapsed over the armies of Pharaoh. They couldn't be captured. They couldn't be taken anyways because the angel of the Lord had moved around behind them and the Lord was fighting for them, amen? Nothing can be captured or taken out of your life if it's given to the Lord. It may seem like it's gone, but it's still being held by the Lord. The angel of the Lord that's been leading you, the Lord's telling me, the angel of the Lord that's leading this church is coming around behind you, and he's going to protect you from that which is pursuing you. And that protection you need to trust in, he's going to hold you. He's going to keep you. So as they stood at the Red Sea and they watched as their armies were destroyed, Miriam gets out a tambourine. It's nothing like getting somebody in the church loose with a tambourine. <laughs> Could get dangerous. I don't know why it is, but this particular item attracts people that have absolutely zero beat. <laughs> just, they just get so excited because they're praising the Lord. And I'm like, their praise is on like, that's like praise 9,000 right there. It's the most perfect praise you ever, and you better not mock it. You better not make fun of that praise because that is what's opening a door or closing a door. But Miriam got a hold of a tambourine, and I don't know if Miriam had any beat or not. I don't know if Miriam was like, I don't know what she was doing, but she got excited. She started worshiping God with every bit of her energy and all the women they grabbed tambourines and they were just they were just praising God and saying the horse and the rider if you read your bible it took chapter 14 to put them in fear that paralyzed them and give the entire account of how powerful pharaoh was but it takes almost the entire 15th chapter just to write down their song of praise so maybe they used a the tambourine brother reese Maybe there was a rogue tambourine in the congregation that day, and it was messing up the whole worship band. But there was perfect praise in that tambourine because they said, the horse and the rider, this is our song and sacrifice of praise. This is how we worship God. This is how we make our move. And so it's beautiful that you see them worship God with everything that they have. And they praised and they danced, and they shouted. And what Moses has said, you shall see your enemy no more because their progress had destroyed what was coming after them. And I want you to know that you're going to look back over your life every time you plead the blood, every time you go back to the cross, every time you lay something at the foot of the cross in your mind or mentally or or even in an analogy, you just say, Lord, I lay it down. Anytime you surrender at the cross, that old, rugged, ugly stick is going to work for you again. And you'll look back, and you see now, because I've been living for the Lord long enough, 
I don't have to have a new victory to have a new praise because I got a new praise off an old victory. I can look back. I can see the struggles of the past. And I can see the hurts from where I came from. And I can see how the devil tried to build weapons against me, but they didn't prosper. You see, I can praise him off an unprosperous weapon of the enemy. I can praise him off of a victory of my past. But that doesn't mean I'm looking in the rearview mirror. That just means if I still need a praise and can't find one right now, I've got a whole library of victory in my past. And I can worship at the cross. I can have a perfect praise in an imperfect moment. Because he kept me. Would you stand to your feet today? I wonder what worship you have embedded in your heart. I wonder what keeps you moving. Do you have old victories that you can give God praise for? Is there anybody that wants to lift their hands right now and put an old victory in your mind? Do you have a place at the cross where you laid down something that could have taken you out, but instead God took care of it at the cross? I wonder, I wonder if you know you have a move left. If you keep moving, I pray for somebody here to keep moving. It's your move today. There's something in your life that's going to give you victory if you just keep moving. I'm praying for somebody here today. Every eye closed, every head bowed, every hand lifted that wants a blessing from God. If you keep moving, God will get the glory. Do you hear me? If you keep moving, God will get the glory. He'll get the glory from your life. The only glory that God gives from my life right now is because I didn't know what to do, but I just kept moving. If you keep moving, you will always have a move left. Devil would have not destroyed that tabernacle. The devil would not have killed Jesus. In fact, I kind of think he's partying when Jesus is in the tomb. But he didn't realize that Jesus still had a move left. He still had a move left. He was going to roll that stone away and stand back up. His body was not going to see corruption. He was going to be the first one, the firstborn, the first living, the one that came back from the dead. That Our graves are now doors to heaven. Amen. We now have the opportunity to go. Even though we must go through death sometimes, we're coming to life. We're not going from life to death. We're going from death unto life. Amen. Somebody, his cross and his tomb says you always have a move left. In Brussels, there is a painting, and I finish with this. In a famous museum, the painting is called Faust, and it's of a man who is a chess master who has sat down on a chair and is having a chess game with the devil for his soul. And the chess pieces in the picture are positioned where Satan has him in a checkmate. And Faust is so dejected, he's looking down because he realized he played and lost. He played the game and he lost his soul. And one day, a famous chess master came to the museum in Brussels and he was walking the hall and he found the piece called Faust and he stood in front of it for hours and hours examining the pieces that were painted on the board and he asked if it be all right if I stay here a while to the guards, and the guards said, well, we close typically at 3 p.m., but if it's just you, we'll let you stay until we lock the doors. Everybody else can leave. We'll let you stay, and we'll come get you. And he stood, and he stared, and he mastered, as a master of chess, he began to analyze every single possible move, and he realized that the painting that said the devil won, there was one move left for Faust. Nobody knew it the painter didn't realize it but when the master looked at the painting there was one move left and he began to yell there was nobody left in the corridors of the museum he began to yell he's got a move left he's got a move left after hours of analyzing the painting he goes he's got a move left the painter made a mistake
mistake. The one who told him, you don't have a move left. And he did. And he's from this day forward, everyone knows that the painting of Faust shows the enemy saying, you're no longer able to move. And yet there is still a move left. And that is what I want you to remember today. It's your move because you've got a move left. Use what you've got. Use what you've got. Use what you've got. And God will keep you moving. And when the devil says, it's not going to work, say, yeah, it may look like that, but all I have to worry about is not whether it's going to work or not up there. I just have to worry about this step. And then I just have to worry about this step. And then I just have to worry about this step. If I just take a step, God will take care of my enemies in my future. God will take care of my enemies from my past. And he will get the glory. And your past is no match for your future. God has set up the victory to take out your enemy if you just stay moving. Jesus, help us to receive this word today. Help us to lean on the things that you have given us. Help us to lean on prayer in our personal life. Help us to lean on the cross that you've put before us. Help us to lean on the angel that I called to go behind us and stand between us. Lord Jesus, I pray against the enemies of the heart and the mind. I pray against the fear that's come against anybody in this room. And I release them to a move because they have a move left in you, Jesus. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come forward and let's receive the word of the Lord. We need a move today. We need a move today. We do have one. We not only need a move of God, but we need to move today. Take a step out. Take a moment in prayer. Kneel somewhere. Get alone by yourself if you need to and promise God that I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm not going to look at my situation as immovable. I'm not going to stay in one place any longer. I'm not going to do what the enemy says to do, which is just to be bound up and, and stay at home and not do anything and not go anywhere because of the fear that are all about us, but I'm going to stay moving in you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to use what you've given us. Come on, let a prayer come out of this place. Let a worship come out of this place. Come on, if you need a praise, reach back to an old victory. Reach back to an addiction you laid down. I know it seems like sometimes there's addictions chasing you, and you're like, will I be able to stay away from them? You will. That's just the thundering of the chariots of Pharaoh. They died in the water of baptism. You're going to win. You're going to win. Just use what you have. Plead the blood. Somebody go ahead and plead the blood of your family. Plead the blood of over your home. Plead the blood over your situation. Right now, there's a move of God in this place. Would you pray? Would you seek the Lord as they sing this evening? We're going to continue to take it home with us. Tonight, when we're laying in bed, we're going to realize we still have a move left. Tonight, we're going to continue to do what God tells us to do. Tomorrow morning, we're going to take a new step. Doesn't matter what challenges we face. Doesn't matter what challenges we face, we're going to continue. We're going to go forward. We're going to go forward. We're going to obey your word, Jesus. We're called to move. We're called to move. We've got a move left. Come on, it's your move right now. It's your move. 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 Come on, Miriam, get your tambourine out. It may not look right. People might want to make fun of your life and your walk with God, but it's a perfect praise. It's a perfect praise. It may sound, look funny, doesn't matter. It's a perfect praise. In Jesus' name, give your life to him. If you give him your future, if you keep moving, God will get the glory. 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 If you keep moving, God will get the glory. I bet I'm